welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by my annual Bliss Project event that is at theblissproject.info. And you guys, if you are feeling stuck, if you are feeling like you don't have a tribe, if you are feeling anxious or overwhelmed or unsupported, this is absolutely the place that you want to be. I am obsessed with creating beautiful, sacred spaces for people to connect and have a reference point for the rest of their life in order to try on who it is that you know that you are in your soul, or maybe your soul's been speaking to you or more like screaming at you to go and do that thing or find that thing that you get excited about every single day or connect into a tribe or figure out what it is that you need to be doing in order to nurture yourself, nurture your soul, love yourself, figure out what those rituals are. You guys, I create the most beautiful exercises for you to go through and to face your fears and really understand what it is that is stopping you from that big life that you know you're meant to be living. So if this is calling to you, go to theblissproject.info right now because I only do this once a year and it is so magical. The shifts that happen are absolutely life changing. You accelerate exactly what you've been trying to do can be accelerated into one weekend. So people have told me that what they've been trying to do for a year, two years, three years has been accelerated into one weekend. So you guys, if you are ready for that, make sure you go and check it out right now. And today I'm so excited to have David Nori on the podcast. So you guys, if you listened to last week's episode with Angelique Nori, this is her husband. So we are close friends with them and business partners in our network uh, marketing company, Isogenics. And it's been so fun getting to know them and build a business with them. We've really uh, been able to travel the world and do some really epic things together. So I wanted to have him on today because He's one of the people I really look up to for being able to create incredible conversation wherever he goes. So David's a transformational coach and he specializes in helping individuals tap into their true personality. And he does this in a way that really helps them excel in both their professional and personal lives. And he speaks in front of large audiences all over the country. And most of all, he's most passionate about his marriage, his family, and God. He spent over 20 years in journalism, most of which came as a columnist. He does articles on how to have a healthier body and relationship, and he draws on his humor and his experience as a husband and father to get across his message. So you guys, you will you will definitely find in this podcast, uh, he is such an amazing storyteller. And for sure, if you are ready 
to really get outside of your shell. If you want to learn more about how to help yourself with social um, networking, if you want to be a better writer, if you want to be a better connector, if you really want to learn how to create better relationships in your life, you're going to pull a lot of little things out of this podcast that you can do that are so simple. It's basically just about being able to create connections wherever you go and be interested in people. So his journey's really been all about saying yes and being interested in people. And I can't wait for you to be able to pull some serious aha moments from this podcast. So let's get started. David, I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to be here, Lori. Thank you. <laughs> so we were just laughing because I was doing a sound check with him and trying to get him to come closer to the microphone. And he said, Lori, I have been in radio before. Can you just, can you give that to me one more time? Yes. Yeah, so it was in Tallahassee, uh, Mix 103.1, more music, more variety, and a better mix. Coming up <laughs> next hour, Michael Bolton's new one. And we got some more from Mariah Carey and Celine Dion. It was adult <laughs> contemporary. And um, yeah, adult contemporary, once you play 100 Michael Bolton songs and you played everything from Celine Dion, but more importantly, I work the Friday-Saturday shift from mm-hmm. 10 to 3 a.m., 10 at night to 3 a.m. And um, I'll tell you what, I couldn't get my circadian rhythm sometimes <laughs> on the right track. And I'd wake up and there would be dead air. And I was like, oh my God, was I sleeping <laughs> for 30 they- seconds or was that three hours? And, um, yeah, and I had, uh, on Sunday mornings, brother Don had the, uh, the, the gospel show and I always remember driving home exhausted and brother Don would go, here's my, here's my boy, Dave going home and safe travels. <laughs> okay. So David is one of our really good friends. Actually, you guys, if you listen to Angelique Nori's podcast, this is her amazing husband who she refers to. So Ange is actually in the room with us. Hey, babe. <laughs> so I'm so excited to have David on because he has been such an incredible um, person to watch, not only to watch, but to learn from. And he is such an amazing speaker and connector. Chris and I always talk about how we could leave him alone in a room and we'd come back and he'd have a hundred new friends who are obsessed with him. So we are going to talk all about becoming a better speaker, being better with social interactions, being better on social media and in relationships. And I know that all of us can tend to struggle in those areas. And David, you have literally had such a crazy amount of different diverse things that you've done. And we were talking downstairs a little bit about um, fear. And I think the number one thing that comes up around all of these things that I just said is fear. So what made you want to start um, really sharing and helping people with getting better with social interactions and speaking? Well, Okay, so I've always been fairly outgoing. You know, I would never call myself an introvert. I've always been kind of extroverted, but I was shy. I was pretty shy, and I was always kind of not really comfortable with my own skin for a while. I was Mm -hmm. a skinny kid uh, who grew up, and the funny part I always tell people is they used to call me E.T. because I had this really big head. My wife makes fun of me. Look at her right now. Because... (laughs) One size fits all never fits David Norrie's head. Third person. <laughs> but one size fits all never fits my head. But can you imagine I had the same size head at 13 and I had the body of like McLo- oh, you poor dear. of McLovin. <laughs> so I had this huge neck and people used to call me E.T. Mm. So um, obviously I started weightlifting and stuff to kind of really help my self, uh, my self image and, and 
how I felt about presenting myself. But my big turning point was when I moved in with a guy named David Zambrano. He was one of my, uh, my roommates, and it was probably about 19 or 20. And we used to go out to clubs and bars, and I was the guy sitting there with my arms folded, Lori, mm. not doing anything. And, and David had this amazing personality, and he'd be dancing, even at places that didn't have a dance floor. Mm. Next thing you know, he's dancing. So he comes up to me one time and he goes, why aren't you having fun? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't feel it. He goes, no, I think you feel it, but you're scared to let go. Mm. You're scared to have fun. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, look at all these people around you right now. Everybody came here to have a good time tonight. Nobody left their house saying, I want to be miserable. But a lot of them are just sitting there waiting for mm. someone to take the initiative and waiting for something to happen. So he's like, just let go mm -hmm. and have fun. And it was amazing. Something clicked. And then I started you know, having fun and more importantly, dancing. And I hate to say the cliche because we talked about it several times, but dance like nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what I did with my eyes closed, mm -hmm. just forgot about it. And then it got to the point when I moved from Miami to Tampa, I didn't have any friends mm -hmm. because it was a totally new thing. And my brothers and sisters were all older and married. Here I was at 27. Mm -hmm. And I literally sat in my house. I had a brand new apartment. And I sat there for two to three weeks every Friday and Saturday night doing nothing. And then I got tired of that. So my, my point is when you get sick and tired of being an introvert or, or not having fun mm. and not being yourself, then you're kind of backs up against the wall. And I said, I'm going to go out and start having fun. And I would go out and I would start dancing. And I was the first person on the dance floor every time because mm. I was by myself and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And the funniest part is I had friends that later on that I met like this group of friends and after about a month or two of knowing them, they go, we got to tell you something. And I go, oh, what? <laughs> what is it? And they go, we call you hip hop. And I'm like, okay, why? They go, because we used to always see you at a club dancing by yourself. And we're like, who is that crazy guy <laughs> dancing to hip hop all by himself? So that became this nickname. But um, I always wanted to do something fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, you and I are, we have that Sagittarius uh, that connection. Are, yeah. And I just grew up always thinking to myself, I can't imagine getting up, going to work every day, not liking it. Mm. Doesn't mean I didn't, I had some terrible jobs along the way. Mm -hmm. I used to fix pay phones on the interstate in what? Florida. Yes. I was, I was a pay phone. I collected the money and then mm -hmm. I had to fix them. So you can imagine like stopping at a truck stop on uh, on a hot August day in Florida, mm -hmm. and someone says there's a jam in the telephone, and you got to open up and see what's in there. Not fun. <laughs> um, I've worked in the blue, the, you know, the blue cubicles that we all know, the the corrugated cubicles. Mm -hmm. I've worked in there, and I know what that's like. But I've always wanted to have fun, so um, I've always sought out jobs that were fun. And I became I was in radio originally in college. Mm -hmm. That's what I was telling you about. Wasn't very good at it. Mm -hmm. um, don't have a great voice for radio. <laughs> But um, someone told me there was no money in that, mm. so I quickly got out. And then I got into newspaper writing, and I was the guy who would take any story anywhere, anytime. So mm. the lesson there is just say yes. Mm. What made you start to realize, you know, at that moment, it sounds like you had that pivotal moment of realizing that you took ownership over whether or not you were having fun. Yeah. So is that something that you incorporate now for people? Yes. I'm so glad. So what it was, it really is a decision. Mm -hmm. It really is. And if I can help people break through and do the same thing that I did, I know, I know that I can open up a whole new world for them. 
both with their their love life, with their personal life, their friendships, um, how they celebrate, how they have fun, and certainly in their business. Mm -hmm. So that moment came when I said, aha, stop worrying about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and in my in my socially speaking class today, what I do is I did a little bit of research. I'm not a psychologist, but you know, th there's three types of, of perception. There's per original perception, which how you see others. Mm -hmm. And then I looked up uh, self-perception. It's, it's how you see yourself. So we both know what that, uh, that is. But the one that really got me was something called meta-perception. And meta-perception is how you see others viewing you. Oh, yeah. And that's the killer. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not really how you see yourself because we all have this self-image. And I do an initial, uh, what I call personality evaluation. And I have my students or my class um, take a list of about eight to 10 questions. And I say, I want you to ask three different people in your life. Someone who is maybe a family member, someone who's a coworker, and someone who's a friend. Uh, never tell them to ask their spouse because I want to make sure that th this doesn't cause anyone to sleep <laughs> on the couch for the night. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically a personality evaluation because we all have this image of what we think we're presenting to mm -hmm. the world and how we think we're presenting. But it's really about someone being honest with you and saying, this is the profession I would think you would be in if I didn't know you, mm. you know? So that gives them kind of a clue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you first met me, what were your initial thoughts? If you were on a, the other question is very easy. If you were on a five hour road trip with me, mm -hmm. what would that be like? So some people get some really eye-opening answers and they start to view themselves as, hey, maybe I'm not that bad. This is how people see me. So it gives them self-confidence. Mm. And on the other side, they're getting answers back that are, hey, you know what? Jeez, I better fix that about myself because I had no idea that that was coming off that way. Mm. So tell me, I want to know more about, so the reason that I wanted to have you on is because you just started um, something, well, well, you've been doing it for a while, but socially speaking. And... I love what you do because you have, you're such a natural, but it's not, it hasn't come completely mm -hmm. natural to you. You've worked on it. You've honed in the skills. You know what it is. You've become an amazing connector and storyteller and you put work into that craft and it really can be learned. I've learned so much of that just through podcasting that it's like, I've become such a better conversationalist and listener because of this. And in the beginning, I don't think I was as good at all. So these are things that can be learned. And I know that you, you know, just through doing this, it's for people who, like we said, it's not just about becoming a better speaker, but this trickles into every single area of their life, including their relationships. So tell me exactly, I know that we just talked about, you know, kind of the intake and the ahas, but what does that whole process look like? So if I said, David, I am really socially awkward and, I'm, uh -huh. and this is really affecting me, even in social media, it's like, I, I don't understand how these people are so successful. What would that look like? Okay. So if we backtrack, I have a degree in communications. I have mm -hmm. a bachelor's degree in communications. I've worked in that pretty much all my life, newspaper, radio, television, um, so some form of communicating, especially as a, as a journalist, which I did for a long time, because you're sitting across from somebody and you're trying to understand their story and put it into words that other people understand. Um, but much like you, Laura, I think much of what we learn is from the school of real life. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I tell people in my class is, I want you to become a student of human observation. Mm -hmm. And it's really that simple. And I think what happens is a lot of times we want to complicate things. So I say, do you know what that means? 
and I explain, and I say, a student of human observation means I just want you to go out on your regular day and be more aware. And I just got an email um, or someone responded on one of my class texts here um, that they started to do that. She goes, I went into this restaurant and I said, I'm not going to have my phone out and I'm going to be, be a student of human observation. She goes, and I was amazed looking around at how many people were not paying attention. They were on their phones and they were not doing anything. And she goes, I came across this one guy who didn't and I sat next to him and he started a conversation with me. And by, by the time I left there, I knew everything about him and I had made a friend. So it's just proof that it doesn't take anything. Anybody can do it. I call it being turned on. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, when you walk into some place, you gotta be turned on. Meaning, you're observing, you're looking around, who's doing what. And when you are turned on and you walk into a place, you realize that there's a lot of people going around on cruise control. Because let's face it, they might be coming from their job, from their house, they're stressed out. So when they go out into public and the places where we congregate, and the places where we meet, and they're looking, they're so worried in their own head about what's going to happen for dinner, or where they're going to send their kids to summer camp, or um, what's going on in their life. Or they're so involved in their cell phones, looking down and seeing what's going on, that they're totally oblivious to the wonderful world of communication around them, which we're missing out on. Mm. Now, let's face it. Um, there's nothing we can do to turn back time. I think we can all agree. As much as I've heard people say, well, we should pick up the phone more. Um, we should stop doing this. I agree. I think we'd all agree that technology is this wonderful tool, but it's, this, it's on this collision course, and it's a train that's kind of out of control. So what do we do? We can't not embrace it because it's really brought us to be, together. Mm -hmm. You know that. I mean, mm -hmm. we're right here right now on this podcast reaching thousands of people because of technology. Mm -hmm. So it's the beautiful part of that. But like you and Chris have even taught me, it's time to be present when you're out. And there's a time for technology, but there's a time to really open your eyes. So if we use that old school approach, I think that we're going to open up ourselves to a brand new group of people and relationships that I call people who are also turned on. Mm. If that's part of your business, then it's going to benefit you. And you go out and you're turned on and you meet these other people, then those are the people that are going to be your friends. Those are the people that are going to be your potential business partners. Those maybe even a future spouse because mm. you simply said, I'm going to start paying more attention to human interaction mm. and be a student of the game. Okay, I, I love all of this because, so what I've been doing in my life is kind of like experimenting with my life. And I find that leaders, when you ask them, they either make life, they, they call it like a fun game or they start uh -huh. using these different experiments. So I'm super curious and I'll ask you in a minute right after this. So what I've been doing lately is just seeing if I can linger longer, more aware. Mm -hmm. And what's been happening is these amazing conversations and I don't hold myself to thinking I need to have some massive conversation with someone, but just something um, meaningful, like something short or meaningful and knowing that I can leave when the energy has gone. Yeah. So the other day I met a, a 80 year old man that I ran two and a half miles with named budge because I just lingered longer and allowed the conversation to go instead of being like, this is weird. Where's this going to go? What, how am I going to end this? What am I going to do? Oh my gosh, this is so awkward. Like I just let it happen yep. and let it be. And then yesterday morning, um, I met a guy, Aaron, who 
taught me about surfing, like waves and that a rock bottom is better than a sand bottom and what kind of waves you want. And it's because I lingered longer, more aware. And I was looking up and I was smiling and I wasn't so stressed out. The conversation in my head almost went there. Exactly. So I know that we'll talk about this too, but the conversation in my head in the beginning was like, this is weird. Is he maybe trying to hit on me? I'm not sure, but he wasn't at all. Believe me. Um, and it was like all of these thoughts in my head, when am I going to stop this conversation? Is it going to be an awkward exit? And just letting those things go and allowing was so interesting. So what are some of the experiments that you do? Because I know that you do such cool stuff with your people, uh, in order for them to start experimenting with life. Yeah. So one of the things is I'll, I'll have people, and I've done this myself. Um, I grew up in gyms and like I said, I was a skinny kid. So I can remember times when there's people in gyms that are very intimidating. Mm -hmm. So we live in a world, obviously we judge people by how they look. But, you know, I, I always go back to, because um, my story is about a big guy, and his name was Link, and he was like 315 pounds, veins coming out of every part of his body, and he wore literally um, jean overalls with no shirt on, and his hat was so pulled down, his baseball cap, oh, you couldn't even see his eyes. That was and scary. The strongest man I've ever seen in my life. Um, if any of you guys out there lift, just to give you an example, uh, 315 pounds and a seated military press behind his neck like eight times with nobody around. I mean, just freaky strength. Wow. And I had to go talk to him because I worked in this gym and everyone was scared. And I ended up talking to this guy and realizing that he was the coolest. He was a single father with a little girl and he loved poetry. And we started hanging out and he was just this guy who just, I mean, yeah, he was a big, tough guy, but underneath that, he had a great personality. Mm. And I said, I seen other guys that I thought this guy must be an MMA fighter. He was a smaller guy. He had a shaved head. He was doing all these weird exercises. And I noticed nobody went around him. So I went up to him and I forced myself to, and I just asked that an opening question. I'm like, I just watched you. What do you do? It looks amazing. Mm. And he ends up, he was a surfer. Mm. And that's what all the weird exercises were. Mm. I mean, he was literally, he was hitting the heavy, uh, the speed bag on one of those, uh, what do you call those things where you have to balance on the cylinder? Oh, yeah, like those boards. Yeah. I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, like for surfing. Yeah, so imagine hitting a speed bag oh on that, the, no. the, the balance and coordination it takes. But here's the guy whose passion was surfing. Mm. So what I did is I just literally forced myself to interject. And I realized a couple of things. If you do it with a smile, and again, this is not like rocket science. I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. But we don't do them. Right. Mm-hmm. If you do it with a smile and you, with intention and you compliment at the same time as you ask the question, hey, what you're doing there looks amazing. You're, you have so much talent. What is it that you do? Now, it's never going to work out 100% of the time. There are people that you can go up to that are just not ready. They're not turned on. And you can't take that personal. But for the most part, um, if you do it with a smile, even if I've interrupted people, Lori, I've interrupted people that have their headphones on in the gym. I've interrupted people in the middle of a conversation because I want to experiment and I'll motion to them. Can you take, I'll give them the old, can you take your headphones off? (laughs) And they look at me like, why are you interrupting my workout? I go, I watched you on that treadmill sprinting. You're, you got this amazing endurance. What do you do? And it's always worked out good because I'm genuinely interested. I'm saying with a smile, I'm giving them a compliment. The one lady I interrupted in the middle of our conversation, she was talking about Tom Brady and I was on my way to the water fountain and I came back and I said, pardon me, uh, I hate to interrupt you, but were you just talking about Tom Brady? And man, she shot me with a look like 
she was not happy that I interrupted her conversation. But, but here's the key. Mm-hmm. I didn't give up. I kept smiling and I apologized again. I go, please forgive me. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm a huge sports fan. I was a sports writer and I had a couple of anecdotes and stories that I wanted to contribute that I started talking about. Mm-hmm. And by the end of our 15 minute conversation, she literally thanked me. She goes, mm-hmm. oh my God, thank you for interrupting me. Where at the beginning of it, she was a little upset. So the key is if you go in like ignorance on fire, like we talked about, and you do it with a smile and you apologize. So I apologize in the beginning for interrupting because mm-hmm. manners always trumps everything. Mm-hmm. If you have manners, it trumps everything. And then I apologized again, probably in the middle of the conversation. And before I left, I said, again, please forgive me for interrupting you, but I really wanted to hear what you were talking about. And we had this amazing conversation. Mm, that's amazing. I feel like you should definitely... Um, we should challenge people on this podcast to do Mm -hmm. something like that and comment and let us know how it went when we put this tile up. So what do you want to challenge them to? Well, I had this idea. Look, we are so wrapped up in technology and it's not our fault, guys. I'm, 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 I'm embracing it. But what's happening is we're having this attitude where, hey, this is me. If you don't like it, take it or leave it. And we're forgetting to look people in the eye. We're not holding the door open for people because we're often looking at our devices or we're on cruise control. So my whole thing is, look, how could it affect the world with that ripple effect if we got back to the basics of manners and we went above and beyond and we said, look, let's do the little things. Let's look people in the eye. Let's hold the door open. Let's say please and thank you. Let's say pleasure to meet you. Um, Let's look around and smile at a stranger and compliment them. Now, you might be saying that's kind of corny out there, you might be saying, yeah, but how's that going to help me? How's that going to make me a better communicator? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, no matter what, I think it, it transcends time. It transcends generations. And I think it certainly transcends, um, geographic locations. Manners always rule. When you look at people, when you smile, it doesn't matter if you speak a different language. It doesn't matter if you're different genders or what a smile, a handshake, a gesture of kindness always opens the door for more conversation Mm -hmm. because people aren't used to that. So if we start doing that again, I think people will reciprocate and certainly they'll be more open to having a deeper conversation with you because we all have our barrier up Mm. and a smile can break down a barrier, Mm -hmm. a a great handshake or pardon me, excuse me, um, and a thank you. All those things add up to it. So I just challenge you guys to go out there Um, find a person that you think, um, someone's not talking to maybe because they're intimidating. Maybe it's someone who looks a little disheveled. Maybe it's somebody who normally would be totally out of your comfort zone. And then I always say, have this Rolodex of things in your head. It's always good as a person like me who is never great at one thing, but always like to dip their toe in a couple different things Mm -hmm. to have this Rolodex that way, no matter where you are, no matter what class of people, no matter what, again, what gender, no matter what race, that you have this Rolodex of things that you feel comfortable that you could start a conversation with mm-hmm. and that that person would reciprocate. So I say, be a well-rounded individual and go out there and find that person and say, I'm just going to go up to them and start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then don't attach the outcome to your feeling. If the person shunned you or they just are in a bad mood that day, It's not your fault. Let's face it. (laughs) My wife is right here and she knows the very first time we met, I was in a terrible mood. 
Now, if she wouldn't have gave me a second chance, she could have said, this guy's a jerk like she did the first time. <laughs> but what happens is she doesn't know what happened that day. And, you know, we always do self-development and we talk about Tony Robbins, a state change. So what I try and do is tell my students, look, if you're going out into the world and you want to make a difference and you want to make more business contacts or you want to meet that special someone or a group of friends, then when you go out to a public place, try and be more aware of your state. And if you're not in a good state, make the change because I almost missed out on the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. simply because I was in a bad mood walking into a charity event one night. Oh, that's so true. I can think of, so when Chris and I first moved to California, I had zero friends here, obviously. So I had to consciously get to a place where it was like, I had to be on like I just had to like light up my eyes and I had to think about who would I want to meet who you had to put on this face like I'm friendly like I would think that thought in my head I'm friendly I'm friendly and I'd smile and be warm and just like compliment I would compliment like a mofo like I love your shoes I love your pants how are you and it's so crazy how you do that enough and maybe you see people three times in a row four times in a row five classes in a row and it's like all of a sudden you start having these awesome conversations and you look forward to seeing them and then maybe you're going to coffee. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's just being open. And like you said, being on like that. It's genuine. It's genuine too. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and you, you gave yourself that, that affirmation of, I like doing this. And I think mm-hmm. that's important to tell yourself that this is going to benefit me. Yeah. Um, I remember I took a bowling class as a, as an elective in college. <laughs> and of course you did. I didn't like, I didn't really <laughs> like bowling. I just took it. But I remember I'd have this affirmation every time I went up there. Um, I would take a deep breath, I'd close my eyes, and I would say, bowling relaxes me. And then I would throw a, <laughs> I would throw a strike, Glory. Wow. I end up, I, I kept this score one time because I bowled like a 280. But it was when I wouldn't say that, and I wouldn't be intentional, and I wouldn't get in that frame of mind, I would just go up there and roll the ball. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, I had to tell myself what I was doing at that time, why I was doing it, and then it became just habit. So just like you, at first, guys, you have to go out and be in the mood. You have to be intentional and tell yourself this is why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it just becomes that way. And you say, oh, my gosh, I'm just doing this out of habit now instead mm-hmm. of really planning. And that's how you start to be a better communicator. That's how you start to be a better connector. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it now. I just do it because the fear is gone. Mm-hmm. I always look for something that something, somebody's wearing something that's going on. And a lot of the time I kind of butt in mm-hmm. because they're not coming up to me and it's mm-hmm. not a mutual meeting in the middle. I'll interrupt somebody just to say something we did in line at the airport today. Mm-hmm. Had a Packers shirt on. What do you know? Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good conversation starter, yeah. but really it's so much easier than people think. It's the outfits they're wearing. It's, it's what they're doing or it's maybe what they're reading. You know, there's so many things that we can observe that yeah. at first people might be closed off, but at the end of the day, they're just more shocked that you're talking to them in the beginning mm-hmm. and they want, they want to talk. So you guys do, um, network marketing yep. and you're amazing at it because of this, but there's so many industries that are exactly like network marketing where honestly, I can hardly think of anything where you don't need yep. to be good in relationships and good with communicating. And I will tell you all the people that I know who are super successful, I always think it's because they're really smart. But when you meet them, you're like, this person is just irresistible. They're just a beautiful communicator. You just feel like you're the only person in the room when you're with them or they're very interested. 
And so, so basically what I'm saying is, you know, these are the things that people can do. What are some things that would make people more successful in network marketing? Because I know, I think the number one thing that people say is they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid they don't have people. There's no people out there. I don't know how to connect. I'm not good at this. I can't sell. Yeah. You know what, what Angelique and I have tried to do is really genuinely make friends with people. Mm -hmm. Now, um, in our business, everybody can use our product. There's not a person that can't because it's health and wellness and mm -hmm. it's food. Um, certainly other businesses are different. I've had real estate agents that have taken my class. I've had personal trainers. I've had hairstylists. And what we have to realize is personality counts. Mm. You know, you know, you've been in the industry of health and fitness. You know, there's some personal trainers out there that are okay. There's a lot of, there are a lot of ones that are, have tons of degrees and know every single part of the human body and they can tell you dissect every muscle and they might not have a full schedule mm -hmm. because why? Yeah. Because their personality no one wants to be with them. If you're going to spend three hours a week with somebody, you want to like that person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with a hairdresser. We've had people who are great hairdressers, but if you've got a bad attitude, it's not going to help. Right. My dad will not go to a doctor that has a bad bedside manner. Mm -hmm. That's important. That's on his list. And I know a lot of people are like that. Mm -hmm. But what, what we're doing, it bleeds into other things because it's not just, socially speaking, isn't just about your job, although that's a big, big chunk of it. Mm -hmm. It's about how you communicate with your kids. It's about how you communicate with your spouse and your friends. And in network marketing, I think the biggest thing people need to do is be themselves and just turn up the best part of themselves because right now we had this um this saying earlier in the business when we first joined is the product is you and it really is you're mm -hmm. selling yourself um we bought a car from a salesman who sold himself first the car was really secondary um and we're all selling something everyone's afraid to get into this thing where we're selling something but i challenge people right now if you're listening to look around the room you're in Take a good look and look at something that you didn't buy. Mm -hmm. You either bought it online. Chances are you bought it from a person. It might have not been a salesman. You might have bought it from a clerk, but you've bought everything. Mm -hmm. It's just the way we do business. So once, the, once we start to realize that and that's how things work, then we just have to realize, okay, people are more likely to buy something or join something where they feel comfortable, they feel welcome, and you got to do with attitude. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, my favorite story of all, because this is one of the best people, this sums up everything. When you're talking about being turned on and you want to meet people who are equally turned on, um, Angelique and I, one day, and she was not in a good mood and I was not in a good mood. Mm -hmm. We were hangry. And I was <laughs> oh, driving no. way across town to our favorite place and she's like, why? I go, because that's what I want right now and that's where I'm going. <laughs> so I walked in hangry. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the food and I see this guy in, in doctor scrubs. And my wife is Greek, and I see this big, I've, after a while being with her, I know what a Greek name looks like. So I see this big, long Greek name on this doctor's scrubs. And I could have went up to him and said, hey, are you Greek? Like that, right? Hey, yeah. are you Greek? But you know what I did? I mm -hmm. went up to him with a huge smile. I go, and I point my finger, I shake my finger, and go, I know a Greek name when I see one, my <laughs> friend. And when I said that with a smile yeah. in that manner, his face lit up. Now, he was equally turned on. This guy has one of the best personalities I've ever been around. But that goes to show you that's mm. how we find each other. That's how we find the people that are going to be our friends. Mm -hmm. So he ends up being one of the best friends that we've ever had. But here's the key. I left there 
um, with his business card because he was a dentist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I needed to get, I needed a good dentist. I just Mm -hmm. moved there. So you see, we're networking already. When we say network marketing, we're really in the business of being connectors. Mm -hmm. So it's connecting marketing. And we're in this day and age right now, my friends, where I was talking to Lori a little bit earlier, where your grandfather or your great-grandfather was in this industrial revolution. People worked in factories. People worked with their hands. And I say people worked with their brawn, right? Their Mm -hmm. physical brawn. But we're in this age now. It's the technological age. And we're working more with our brains. And when I say our brains, that really translates into our personality. So he's a great dentist because I try to take this concept and I said, well, what about a dentist now? What about this guy? A dentist doesn't have to have a great personality. He simply has to be trained and be good at working on teeth, correct? But I'm going to ask you guys right now, all things being equal, you have two dentists and they're equally trained, equally schooled, equally tactically good at what they do. And you have one dentist who has a great personality and a great bedside manner, and you have the other guy who's miserable or just doesn't talk to people. And he walks in, he works on you and leaves. Which one are you going to pick, all things being equal? Mm-hmm. For sure. The one that you enjoy because you want people you enjoy in your life, and it's also an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. So you especially want someone that you enjoy. Yeah. Hey, I'm about to yoke this tooth out of your <laughs> mouth, and it's really going to hurt. But I'm going to tell you this joke right. beforehand, and you're going to laugh. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what you want. Okay, so what is something that you think is the main thing that people come to you and say, these are the top things holding me back when they want to be better at speaking or connecting? Okay, yeah. I mean, this is, I think about this. You know, when you get into something like this and you start opening your mind and you start to say, how am I going to help these people? Mm -hmm. Part of it is you have to close your eyes and say, why am I doing this? Mm. Um, Yes, it's going to put food on the table. Yes, it's... It's doing me something, getting feedback. But really, if I'm not doing it for the right reasons, to really help people. And let's put it this way. Some people come to my class and they're just really introverted mm-hmm. and they're scared. I had one guy who um, I gave an assignment and um, we always have to tell stories, you know, and there's a great book out there called Believe Me. It's by, I believe it's called by Michael Margolis and it's all about storytelling, mm-hmm. Because we live in a world now where we tell them. And the first assignment is always give me your favorite movie. Why? Because everybody's got a favorite movie. And I said, but I need your favorite movie in 60 seconds. And that's the only instruction that I give them. I don't say anything else. So this gives me a really good idea from them telling me of what kind of a storyteller, what kind of a personality they have, what what matters to them. Because I've had people try and give me Shawshank Redemption, which is a two-hour and 30-minute movie in 60 seconds. Yeah. How'd that go over? Or I had someone give me the king and I, Yeah, and I had to tell him after 60 seconds, I said, you know what? Never seen the king and I, but after that description have no desire to. (laughs) Um, so whatever you're doing, think about it guys. If you're telling stories in your personal life that are like that or in your business, chances are people are thinking the same thing. Mm. So what I try and do is get people to be more concise. Remember in the technological age that our attention spans are a lot shorter. So even when you said you were going out, opening up, talking to people, mm-hmm. I try and talk to people, make the initial conversation, and then always gauge in my mind, okay, have I been a nuisance now? Am I too long? Mm-hmm. Do they need to get on with their day? Um, because that's important to respect people's time. Mm-hmm. But what what I would say in, in this initial part is 
Some people are just scared. Remember, we've been living in this body. We've been living with this personality probably since you were little. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I'm not a psychologist, but we all have taken psychology classes. We all know that, you know, the Freudian concepts and what happens when you either were picked on as a kid or, you know, maybe you didn't have money or uh, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe everyone, your parents fawned over you or you were given everything, but how you were raised kind of forms that personality. So my job is to get people to say, be honest with them and say, look, I know you got a good heart. I know you want to do this, but you're boring right now. Mm. So what you need to do is we're very heavy on body language. Mm. We're extremely heavy on facial expression, on tone. And I was getting tattooed. um, I was getting tattooed a couple weeks ago and the guy's working on my right arm and I'm talking to his wife and she's in there and she goes, Hey, you need to be quiet for a second. And I go, why? She goes, because he's doing a very intricate part and you talk so much with your hands and your body that you're moving all over the place. <laughs> so this is what I teach, but we all know what the, the teacher from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, remember? Yes. Bueller. 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 Mm-hmm. So one of the main exercises, and I would invite you guys to do it at home, one of the things I have, I have people do to really see what it takes to communicate and to get points across is find your one of your favorite speakers, like Tony Robbins. Um, Gary V. Um, mm-hmm. For women, it's Lisa Nichols. And here's the key. Watch them for about two minutes on mute. Mm. Watch them on mute. And I've had people do this and they're amazed. They come back to me and they say, I can almost tell what they were saying even though it was on mute. Mm-hmm. Because they speak with their bodies. They speak with their face. Um, the way they lean to the audience. You know, if you ever watch Gary Vee, you watch his eyebrows, how much expression he has in his face. And that's what pulls us in to being a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. So if you're not speaking with your body, if you're not used to elevating your voice, and if you're not used to sometimes slowing down, mm-hmm. taking it slow, letting people really kind of hang on your words because I am what Jerry Seinfeld would call a natural fast talker. (laughs) I'm a fast talker. My wife tells me sometimes we're at a party and she's like, Hey Dave, take a breath, pause for a second, let other people get a thought in or two because I get excited. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the things that I tell people to do because we have to see what's going on. Another thing that exercise we do is I say, watch comedians. Mm. If you watch comedians, they're only telling things that we all know. Mm -hmm. Why are comedians funny? Because they're saying things that we all experience, but they're not afraid to say them. And they're usually saying with maybe an alternative voice or they're using their storytelling capabilities. So if we just observe people, and it goes back to our original thought when we started here, if we just observe and we mimic and we watch and we say, how can I be better? And one of the things that I'm sure you know is one of the hardest things is to go back and watch yourself and listen to yourself. (laughs) How many people do you know go, hey, listen to yourself on this podcast? You're like, "Mm, I don't want to do that right now. I'm good. I'm feeling good about myself. (laughs) Or watch yourself on this video. No, because we're our own harshest critics. Mm -hmm. But um, my big thing is, you guys, you can't be vanilla. Mm. You can't get lost in the crowd. If on the left side you have vanilla or you're invisible and on the right side you have way obnoxious i would much rather you err on the side of being slightly obnoxious because you're going to be more memorable mm-hmm. and i said 
if you're trying to get ahead in life, you're trying to meet people and do things, the last thing you want is for someone to say, hey, did you see Dave at that party the other night? And someone goes, no, I don't remember if Dave was there or not. I, have, I, w- I wouldn't be able to tell you that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You, you want to be remembered. You know, I'll say in, in everything that I've been doing, whether it's network marketing or whether it's podcasting or, or uh, different programs or speaking or this book, it's all been relationship building. And I will tell you, even though I am, um, I can be really extroverted, I am such an, I can be such an introvert. And the way that I was raised, it was be humble, be quiet. So for me, it's, I want to be extroverted, but I was so challenged, like even five years ago, three years ago, two years ago to be as extroverted as I want to be. I go somewhere and I want to talk to people and I want to go meet people, but I always am like, oh, well maybe I'm annoying them or maybe I'm bothering them. But what I learned is if you don't do that, someone else is, Yes, they're getting the contacts that you want to get. They're getting the book deals you want to get and not saying that you're taking them from them. There's abundance everywhere. There's plenty for everyone. But if you don't insert yourself, if you don't go up and talk to people, if you don't learn to connect, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Someone just posted on a picture. I had posted a, uh, um, a picture of a bunch of girls that I connect with all the time. And they were like, you're so lucky to have that tribe to have fallen into a tribe. And I was like, I could look at every girl in that picture and think of the awkwardness I had to go through in order to create a connection with them. And I was like, this is no simple task. This is so intentional. So I love that you said setting an intention that when you wake up or you go to a party, what are you going to do? How many people are you going to connect with? What are you going to say? How are you going to walk in? So what is something that you can tell people if they're going to go start using their life? What are some things that they can um, really start to think about before they walk in that room? Yeah, I would say, you know, be able to say yes to more things and not think twice about them. You know, what you're saying right now is to come into that room and and think about, you know, most people will have one or two things that happen to them. But if you think about, hey, what's going on in the world right now? And and certainly we have to be careful right now because you don't want to get into a political conversation. Yes. And you don't want to get into a religious conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that could be dangerous. But what else is going on in the world right now? Um, what's What's been happening? I mean, the big thing lately was the eclipse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I found that kind of a non-event where I was in, in Arizona. So to me, it wouldn't have been that exciting. But I just try and go in with some type of intention, some type of anecdote. Always have one or two good stories in your pocket that you can bring out. You know, I have so many stories that sometimes I have to consciously allow myself to let somebody else finish theirs because in my mind, the way it works, I have a story that I want to relate to that. But I genuinely, Lori, take an interest in people. So when you were saying, um, being an extrovert or is that considered if you're obnoxious or, um, self-centered? Um, no, mm-hmm. really, it, if you do it with intention and you're always humble and we go back to the manners and we interact with people by giving them time to speak and then saying something that they just said, you know, reiterating one of their points and then building on it. It's like this tennis, this volleyball match that works very beautifully. If you've ever seen a tennis match and they're hitting the ball back and forth several times, it's almost like this beautiful dance that they're doing. Well, the conversation should go the same way. I talk a little bit, you say something, I capitalize on that, but it has to be a give and take. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I've had to work on that because I've been a talker, a talker, a talker. 
and the part of communication that I was missing the most, both, you know, personally with my wife and my kids is listening to them. Mm. How many times, Ange, have, have you been talking to me and you said, what have I been saying for the last five minutes in the car? And I'm like, I took a stab at it and I guessed. <laughs> and she's like, nope, busted. <laughs> um, so look, we all have to work on our things. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It, Lori, what's preventing these people from going to a party and talking? Well, if you're not doing anything in life and you walk into a party and someone says, hey, what happened in your day? And you're like, I woke up. Mm. Yeah, I woke up today. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Say yes to more things because when you agree with me, you have more experiences, guess what? There's more things to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I think back, my friend called me one day and he was a playwright in Tampa. And uh, he just called me out of the blue and we're just talking back and forth. I'm like, how are you doing? He goes, man, I'm in the middle of this play. We got three weeks left and this dude just quit on me. Mm. It's the 12 angry man, the 12 angry men and the seventh juror just totally took off and quit. He goes, I'm frustrated. I don't know what I'm going to do. I go, can I be the juror number seven? He goes, are you serious? He goes, have you ever been in a play? I'm like, no. He goes, well, my back's against the wall. So <laughs> I, I went to... And I, every time I do something like this, I come home and I tell Angelique, she goes, what did you do? <laughs> She's like, you're going to be in a play? And she asked me the same question. Have you ever acted before? Have you ever been in a play? And I said, no. Why would you do that? I go, because I want to challenge myself. So for, for three weeks, every day, we went and I was juror number seven. Was I scared as hell on opening night? Yes. Mm-hmm. But is it a great something to talk about? Can I bring that up when people are, are talking about fear? Yes. Mm-hmm. But again... It's a life experience. If you fill your life with rich and meaningful life experiences and you say yes to more things, guess what, my friends? Mm. You're gonna have a lot more things to talk about when you're at the party, when you're at the water cooler and in the office. Life experiences make us who we are. So if you're not doing enough, then my first suggestion is to get out there and start living your life every day. Take some chances, say yes, get butterflies, figure it out along the way, and then you work on the storytelling part. Mm-hmm. That's been, that has literally been the key for me the last few years is just having experiences. I can't even tell you how many times Chris and I have looked at each other and been like, I am so glad that we have said yes to so many things lately because when we go somewhere with people who intimidate us, we still feel like we add massive value because we've got some really awesome stories. I mean, we've done ballroom dance competitions. We've done really crazy things in Costa Rica. (laughs) We've done, you know, we've seen and done really awesome things and traveled to awesome places. And whether it's traveling or whether it's just, we go to soul cycle, we go to different classes. You have a lot to talk about and a lot to share, even if it's something small. So if you've done a new class or you've maybe done something, you want to go do pottery or paint or that's interesting stuff that people don't normally do. You do one thing a week or one thing a month and you can actually milk that conversation. I'm still milking the ballroom thing. I mean, that's interesting. It is because people (laughs) want to know and then, and you're excited to talk about it and, and there's details in there that people who have never done that want to know. Me and Angelique said we're going to, our, our, our bucket list thing for next year is we're going to milk a cow. I've milked a cow. <laughs> there you go. And I won a milking cow competition. No, you didn't. And do you know what I won? A milking cow trophy? Cheese curds. Mm, a pound. Cheese curds. I love cheese curds. It's amazing. 
Um, but I'll tell you about that another time. All right. So um, what I do want to go into, though, is because you were talking about teaching how to tell a story. So what are some of the different things that you do in your socially speaking? Because what I want people to know is who your program is for, what that actually looks okay. like, what the things are that they go through. Because I think some people might be listening and saying, that's all great, but I still can't picture myself doing some of these things because you know how to create a yeah. sacred safe container for people to be able to start doing that and mm -hmm. knowing what that would look like. So what does it look like? What are some of the things that you're doing? Yeah. So, you know, it goes back being a reporter and your first couple of times you, you have all these things that you're trying to put into this story and you think it's going to be great and you work real hard on it and then you turn it into your uh, publisher and you look at the paper the next day and it's nothing what you wrote. And I'm like, what happened to that great story? He's like, people want the facts, mm -hmm. you know? And in, if you put the, the heart of the story, the punchline, or, or really the anecdote too long into the story, people won't get to it. And we've been talking about the short attention span, Lori, in today's day and age. So in storytelling, you know, people that build up this long story and long story, most of the time the people are listening to are saying what? Bro, make mm -hmm. the point already. I got things to do today, yeah. you know, wrap it up, make the point. So start with something good. And especially this goes to social media. You know, you got to attract people right away. If you wait too long to give this great secret of your story and what happened, guess what? Nobody's around by that time to listen. So I say, start off the bat. What's great? What's the headline? What's going to grab my attention? Mm. And then go a little bit in and fill people in on the backstory and then, especially on social media, on a Facebook Live, then give the, give the headline again five minutes into your Facebook Live. Hey, guys, if you're just joining this, today I'm talking about how I won this cow milking contest, <laughs> right? And you go back to that. Um, how we do that in class is I do small groups. I have everybody introduce themselves at first. We're typically on a Zoom so we can see each other. Um, and I basically tell people, you know, you got to play full out. This is not about holding back. You won't get anywhere. When I have them do their personality profiles and send it out to those three people, part of it in the personality profile, it says um, a copy to email to their friends or their family. And it says, look, I will not get anything from this if you are not completely honest with me. It benefits me none if you blow smoke up my ass. Mm -hmm. I need to know um, how I really present myself because I am on a personal development journey. So typically in the first class, we start off with that movie exercise because they don't have to know anything and I don't really tell them what we're going to do. And I just say, hey, you guys got about a minute. Think of your favorite movie and we're going to talk about it. Mm. And then it's very easy to coach and dissect them from there because I'm like, well, great story, but there was no passion. And sometimes you don't even have to tell the whole plot of the movie. You just tell a scene. Mm. I mean, if you're talking about a movie like Step Brothers or something, you know, you just talk about the scene in the bunk beds being your favorite scene. And all of a sudden, you realize that if you're telling a story, everybody relates to that. That's funny. And we start laughing. And I can tell you the rest of the plot later on. Mm -hmm. And then we get into, typically, the second thing is the first time you fell in love or the first time you met your spouse. Tell me about that. And it's a little bit longer. So now we're getting to the emotional side. Mm -hmm. Now I'm watching them, even though we're on Zoom, I'm watching how, what words they use how emotionally connected everybody else is. But more importantly, I make the other students critique the first two things. Mm -hmm. So someone will go and I'll say, okay, now we need two comments on what that person just said. So I'm forcing other people in the group 
to comment on one of the uh, stories. Mm -hmm. And then I'll comment on it. So what this does, it creates this camaraderie and this teaching environment where, hey, you know what? I'm paying more attention to you. And because I know I'm going to be called on to talk about you and something that I know you coach with Lisa Nichols and I picked this up from her and it was great. Um, she'd always say you did this, this, and this great. And she would compliment you mm -hmm. and your chest would be all puffed up and you'd say, Oh, thank you. I, I thought that was pretty good too. And then she would look at you and she's like, all right, are you open to some coaching? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> but the good stuff is. What did she do? She mm -hmm. politely asked you for your permission mm -hmm. if she could critique you. And as someone who pays for a course or someone who is into personal development, you have to say yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're there for. Last night, as soon as I came off my call, Angelique came down as we always do after we speak. And I said, what did you think? And she said a couple of great things. And then she started saying what I need to improve on. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. Mm -hmm. no matter what level you're at guys, you need to realize this. If you're just starting off, um, if you've been doing this for a while, it's so hard to take that constructive criticism. And especially in this day and age, because we don't want to be told that anything we're doing needs improvement. We just want to be awesome right now. You know, no one wants to learn a craft anymore and put years into it. We want to be great right now. And that's not the way life works. And if we go into what we've learned, um, from the great ones, John C. Maxwell came on stage in front of uh, four or 5,000 people. And he's sitting in his chair with his arm over the back of the chair with his legs crossed. And he's kind of leaning back, super relaxed. And he looks around, he goes, uh, and not in a cocky way, but he goes, you know, many people ask me if I'm nervous. He goes, I'm not nervous. Do you know why? And everyone's waiting and waiting. He goes, well, I've done this about 10,000 times. Mm. So I'm pretty good at it now. And he goes, I've had people that were going to speak for the first time and they were backstage with me and they go, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to go awesome. And he goes, I was in the back of my head thinking, no, you're probably going to not. You're probably going to suck pretty good at first, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody laughs and he just had this way about him. But we have to realize that, look, right now we are all on some type of personal development mm. journey. We're all in some type of communication journey. Why is this so important to you guys listening right now? Because not only will your life depend on it, not literally, not life and death, but the happiness factor in your mm -hmm. life. If you can learn to communicate better with your wife, if you can be more open to criticism, if you can be a better listener, then you'll be a better husband or wife. Same thing in your work. You know, Lori, you're wondering about some of, the, some of the things that we do, some of the exercises I've created in class. One of them is just, it's a volley back and forth. Mm -hmm. I give them a subject, and one person starts, and when I say switch, the other person that they're paired up with has to fill in that sentence and have the story make sense. And mm. why we do this is because we tune out and mm -hmm. we get ahead of ourselves and we start thinking about, what am I going to say? Oh, I got this story I'm going to say. And we tune out to the story that's happening at that very moment. So if I say you have to continue the other person's story in mid-sentence at any time I snap my fingers, what are you doing? All of a sudden, you're hanging on every word. You're listening to them. You're paying attention to them because you have to be a cohesive unit. Mm. So it's things like that that the listening really helps. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And, you know, I think what happens is we we feel like these conversations and listening, we want to see a result right away. I know this was me, especially if you're type A and you're busy oh. and you, you have things that you want to go and do and you have a schedule, right? We all have 
a schedule and an agenda. (laughs) And what happens is a lot of times social interactions are not worked into that, but the magic is in those. The magic is in those moments that you linger longer. That's just in my head right now because I'm, I'm allowing myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments where I listen more when I feel like I have a story I want to tell, but really they're giving me such good information and we could continue on with that conversation and it could become something so rich if I can detach from maybe my agenda of wanting to say something or get somewhere or go, you know, go off and start my day. If I can just listen, it opens up this like beautiful, um, maybe a missing piece that you needed. Maybe it was something that you need for your business. Maybe it was some, uh, information you were missing that day. That's what I find. Do you find that? Yeah. And here's a great tip for that. Um, because I was guilty, like I said before, of really stepping over people in a conversation mm-hmm. and, and hogging the conversation. And it wasn't out of uh, me wanting to do that. I just get really excited. Mm-hmm. And when people are telling a story, I have a story or I want to ask something. So the one thing that I started doing that has really helped me is keep a pen and paper nearby, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're doing a lot of your communication over the phone mm-hmm. or if you're doing your communication on a Zoom call. Or even in person, um, because what happens is you're going to have the thought and you're going to want to interrupt that person (laughs) and that's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. So the biggest sign of respect you can do is allow them to finish their sentence, but you don't want, how many times have you said, oh my God, what was I going to say? I had something really good that I was going to say and I totally forgot. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Oh, that's so frustrating. What was I going to say? So what you Mm -hmm. do is when that person's talking and they say something and you have a thought, just write down one or two words that's going to jar your memory. You know, milking cow contest. Okay. And then they... (laughs) I wrote down Zumba, David. And Zumba. Um, (laughs) They continue to go. And then when they're done, it's beautiful. When they're done, you have it right there. You didn't lose their train of thought. So many of the times we interrupt people (laughs) or we don't listen because we're so caught up in our conversation, our head, what we're going to say or what we want to say. So it's just a simple thing that really helps you. Uh, In network marketing, you know, that was something that made a world of difference because we want to talk so much and it's so much more about listening. Mm-hmm. So if you interrupt that person, most times it's an emotional state when they're telling their story about the pain that they're in. Um, and if you interrupt them, you're interrupting that emotion mm-hmm. that you just spent all that time getting out of them. So the best thing you can do is write down your thoughts and their points. Mm-hmm. How cool is that when somebody reads back to you, so, Lori, um, I love the part when you were saying about the, uh, you know, the contest and everything, and I wanted to learn a little bit more about that. And, you know, one of the things that I thought about during that, what you're doing is you're reading it back to them. Mm-hmm. They go, wow, all of a sudden she was listening to me. Mm-hmm. What does that do? It's immediate connection. You want to connect with that person. You want to tell them more. You want to work with them. You want to be involved with them. Um, those are things that, um, uh, it's the glue. Yeah. It makes all everything. the difference in the world. When, when mm-hmm. people know that you're listening, um, most of my best connections have been with people who are completely opposite as me. Mm. I mean, completely in race in size and gender. Um, and I've always kind of relished those connections because, I think the more I age and get older and the more that I am blessed to be able to travel this world, the more we realize that, you know, we're all pretty much more the same than we are different. Mm-hmm. What, what makes us different is if we watch too much of the news and people mm-hmm. will say we didn't like each other. Um, make a real quick point on that. 
I grew up in the 80s. Mm-hmm. If you grew up in the 80s, you grew up watching movies like Red Dawn and everything where you were convinced that every Russian was horrible <laughs> and that they wanted to kill you mm-hmm. and that we were all going to die. And now that the Cold War's over, when I run into people around my age that are of Russian descent and I ask them and I go, I'm pretty sure that you guys were told that Americans hated you and wanted to kill you and that we were bad. And in reality, we all just wanted to raise our families. Mm -hmm. We all just wanted to have a good time. We all just wanted to fall in love and travel. You know, we're so much alike. Mm -hmm. So I know that sounds really kumbaya guys, and I'm not really a kumbaya guy, but when you go out there and meet people from different cultures and you're connecting and you're talking and you're telling your story, you're going to notice that, wow, we really are pretty much the same. And it's the stereotypes and it's the news that wants to separate us and divide us. All right. So I love your program because of what you create and the space you create. And I really don't know. I I really haven't heard of too many programs like yours where you can just go online and really be able to jump into a safe uh, space and really have that reference point to to learn how to tell stories, to connect with other people, to get that honest feedback to get that critiquing because that is where the magic is. It may not be easy, but that is when truly all of the shifts happen. So David, uh, what is one last thing that you would love to leave people with who maybe feel like they are having trouble in their life, really putting themselves out there, but it could take them to the next level, uh, maybe in their network marketing business and their speaking business. Okay. What would that be? Many of you guys out there, are trapped in a in in a personality that you know is not you. And I know when you close your eyes, you have visions of yourself being that person that you want to be. You have visions of yourself going to the party, making the connections. You have vision, visions of yourself in business, making that killer presentation in front of the in front of the rest of the group. Um, you have visions of yourself speaking in front of maybe thousands of people and really inspiring people. And you know, the smaller visions of having a close-knit group of friends who you can go out and laugh with and tell stories with and dance. And maybe it's that person that you need to fall in love with that um, you just need to go out there and meet and you need to be your actual self. What I would say, guys, is my favorite thing. It's never, ever too late to be that person that you always wanted or knew you could be. And yes, we're born with a personality that was formed from a young age, but you can teach an old dog new tricks. You can convert. I'm a perfect example. Um, I've learned so much in the last five years from both the company I'm in and and my wife um, and certainly friends like Lori and Chris. I mean, I've learned so much. And even people that knew me way back in the day uh, would say, geez, you've changed a lot. But it, it's a matter of focusing and saying, you know what, I can be better. I want to be better. And having the patience to do some of the things where you know it's not going to happen overnight. But I try and make my class fun. I try and learn with media. Um, I try to use shows like Seinfeld because it was all about human communication. Um, when we do those stories earlier that I was talking about where we volley back and forth, I start off a story with saying, okay, guys, Here's the, here's the beginning, this one time in band camp, go, you know? I want us to laugh, and more importantly, in the group that I've created, what happens is I have a Facebook group that all these classes, and like I said, they started off with 10 people, but I, I windled it down to about five or six people because I really wanted to get everybody to talk three or four times during that one-hour session. 
and I wanted them to interact with each other. So I had a couple beta groups, and then I started really going live with this group, and since then I've been doing it for about two years, and all those classes have come together, and I put them all into this one Facebook group because they've all been taught the same lessons. And I say, look, it's not enough just to take this class for six weeks or eight weeks. It has to be a continual practice. So you guys have all been through the same lessons. You've all done the same things. Most of you have the same goals, which is to be better at communicating, but you've got to continue to push each other in practice, and I will continue to inspire you in this group. And I've seen people, look, that have shown up to events, and they walk into a room, and they're not turned on, and they got a long face, or they're, they're just not smiling, or they're looking at their phone, and I will go up to them and say, this is not what we talked about. This is not how you get better. You have to flip that switch and be turned on, but it's never, ever too late. And if you can really craft your personality, because we have no problem working on our muscles, we have no problem studying books, but no one's trying to craft your personality. And we've never taken a course which is saying, hey, look, there's a person inside you that needs to get your message out. You need to communicate better, but you need to do it in a way that's entertaining and not vanilla. And that's what I'm going to help you do. I love that. So where can we find you, follow you, find out information on your class? Okay, so uh, sociallyspeaking.com is where you can find it. Um, the name of the class is called Speak Up. Mm. Um, right now I'm doing a three-part series called Breakout, and that's just a subsidiary. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and then if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's David Nori, N-O-R-R-I-E, dot socially speaking. Awesome. And David, I always end with one last question. But first, I do want to acknowledge you for the incredible human that you are, amazing friend, awesome father, husband to Angelique. And truly, you have uh, really made Chris and I look at connecting with people completely different and made life so much more fun. So I just want to acknowledge you for how you show up and how you, you love people and want them to see themselves. It's really beautiful. So last question. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. You have a 30 second elevator ride. Notice I said 30 seconds <laughs> and they look over at you. It's a total stranger. And they say, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? I say, what makes you the happiest? What makes you feel alive? For me, it was always dancing. You know, for me, it was always communication. And I would say, you have to find something that not what society tells you, not what your job tells you, but something that you really care about. It could be weird. It could be something totally different. And you have to find out how you can make money at that. And you have to surround yourself with people that will elevate you to the next level. Mm. Because if you can make money at doing something you love, remember, my biggest fear was I was going to spend 40 hours a week in a job that I hated. And I was going to end up retiring someday going, what did I miss out on? So my thing is right now with the age of communication like it is, there's people out there making money doing really weird things or things that you think that nobody else would do. Just Google it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've ever had a great idea and you put it into GoDaddy and you're like, wow, it's gone. You know, someone's already got that idea. Realize that's a good sign. That means there's people out there that want to do what you're doing and you can get paid to do that and be happy. But I think if we mix business 
and pleasure. Mm. And we, we take what the best part of our personality is and we can find a way to make money doing that. You're going to be super happy. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. And you guys, if you love this episode, make sure you share it with your friends and until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.